Hi, everyone. Welcome back to FreightWaves Global Supply Chain Week. I'm John Gallagher, Senior Editor at FreightWaves. Joining me in this fireside chat is Lauren Smith. Lauren is the president of Skyline Policy Risk Group, a transportation consultancy here in Washington, D.C. Lauren has an insider's perspective of transportation policy, um, having been involved with the Department of Transportation as part of his background. So we're going to get into some uh, economics and supply chain policy this morning. Um, and our plan is to touch on three areas, uh, China, autonomous trucking, and West Coast port labor. And see if, and, and we're going to see if we can sort of connect those somehow. Um, Lauren, thank you for being here with us this morning. Thanks, John. Great to be here. So um, given this is Global Supply Chain Week, I'll, I'll start out with a global issue, but then bring it you know, quickly back here to the U.S. And, um, and that is how, and, and to see how, you, how it affects uh, actually freight and supply chains, and that's China. So could, could you comment on what has changed over there over the last two years in terms of their economy and how those changes might trickle down to trucking companies here in the U.S.? Uh, well, thanks, John. It's a very, very important <laughs> issue that could uh, end up dominating uh, the rest of the year uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, so China does seem to be roaring out of their COVID zero phase. Uh, a few different things are happening. Manufacturing is coming back very strong. The economy does seem to be uh, on the rise there. At the same time, the government has altered a lot of the statistical reporting, uh, which you know leads to a lot of the normal caveats uh, with uh, Chinese government statistical reporting, uh, just sort of a you know standard issue. But but they've actually changed the, um, publicly some of the metrics for what they consider to be thresholds of reporting. Um, obviously, part of it is they uh, they want to project that they are. Uh, turning back towards growth uh, and, and, you know, following COVID zero. Um, I think there's reason to, to believe that the, the manufacturing is growing, that the economy is growing there. But I think that the uh, the government reporting is going to sort of enhance that. They want to really market that or, you know, propagandize that, um, that they're growing. Um, but this is also going to have some serious, you know, uh, uh, global impacts too um, with the Chinese economy starting to rise, we are going to see more fuel consumption. And so uh, I, I think uh, gas prices and diesel prices globally are certainly going to see uh, some upward movement. Um, the, 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 the Chinese government is pushing hard to shift uh, that country towards electric vehicles, but still a lot of uh, trucking, a lot of vehicle usage relies on gas and diesel. And so I think that that's going to have um, a, uh, certainly a global market impact. There's another interesting factor, too, which is that uh, individual uh, Chinese citizens uh, have been uh, saving a lot more uh, than the historical average. And so there's there's as much as two trillion dollars uh, in pent up consumer spending that, you know, if the economy is opening up in China, uh, we could see unleashed and that could put pressure on global inflation as well, which is one of the reasons why. You know, with the with the Federal Reserve having raised interest rates in the U.S. yesterday, uh, I think we shouldn't expect rates to come down anytime soon. I think the uh, the uh, central bankers in the in the in the West, not just in the U.S., 
are going to sort of hold off to see, you know, what what is going to happen with global inflation. And I think that that's another part of the story to watch. Yeah, and and you mentioned diesel prices. So so, so and I, I think you you touched on this too. But will will it also affect um, used truck prices as well? I think so. I think uh, you know. I think we're going to see you know sort of across the board. You know, probably some elevated um, some you know elevated prices as you know parts of the economy that have been lagging for the past the past year. Um, you know, I think I think in twenty twenty one we we saw the U S. Um, you know, come out of or sort of gradually over the past couple of years, we've seen the U.S. you know coming out of um, out of the, the the COVID hit from the second quarter of 2020. Uh, but you know, China delayed that with with its COVID zero policies, and I think that we're uh, probably going to see you know a, a sort of surge there that is going to uh, push up global prices uh, with the trucks as well as with the energy prices. Right, right. Um, so, so um, taking that a step further and, and shifting to a particular uh, segment of trucking here in the U.S., um, which I, which I know you've followed pretty closely, and that's the um, the autonomous trucking sector. How, how do you see, um, you know, those same infl- inflationary pressures affecting that that sector? Those uh, uh, autonomous startups, either is the ones you know current currently. Cur- currently out there now and, and any potential ones um, and uh, potential companies? We are currently seeing a major shakeout of that entire sector, uh, of, of the technology sector overall. Um, <clears throat> but but AV trucking, I think, is an area that's going to be particularly, um, you know, stressed uh, this year and over the next several years. <clears throat> Essentially, you know, the what what's happening broadly, we, we, were, we I mentioned interest rates a moment ago. You know, we are we've moved from an era of low interest rates uh, of the past more than a decade. You know, going back, you know, to the 2008 financial crisis um, and even before uh, this this very prolonged period of low interest rates. We are now in an era of high interest rates, and uh, I, I I think we should all expect that it's going to be at least the next three to five years, um, if not for. Um, you know, if not for longer. Uh, and I think, you know, it, there are several reasons for this. I mentioned, you know, China potentially uh, pushing up global prices. Um, so keeping interest rates there to, to keep a lid on sort of global inflation. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is providing a stress test. This transition to high interest rates is creating a stress test for the technology sector uh, and for investors uh, I think in a way that um, uh, a lot of policymakers uh, are, are, are quietly, you know, uh, you know, viewing as a useful experiment or a useful test to see um, which industries um, do have, you know, a, w- w- you know, where, um, you know, where, where the rubber really meets the road in terms of um, applied um, utility of some of these companies. And so for the tech industry, where you have a lot of uh, blue sky spending, uh, and a lot of companies that sort of haven't been able to show results yet because they have, you know, they're more, you know, more in the conceptual stage. Um, that's a real challenge. It's a real challenge to show that, you know, our tech is real, our technology works, and this is what it's going to do. And I think over the past, you know, several years, we were seeing a lot of uh, unicorns pop up and a lot of other, you know, a, a lot of uh, tech startups like the, the hiring, you know, a lot of uh, tech companies were stockpiling talent. Um, 
And um, a lot of that is, is shaking out right now, which is why the tech companies, <clears throat> you know, uh, in the U.S. economy and in the in the Western economies uh, that are shedding jobs right now. Uh, other industries are hiring, but tech is laying people off because um, they had done so much to stockpile talent, uh, just like, the, you know, we're able to stockpile cash in the low interest rate environment. And a lot of that is changing right now. And for AV trucking, which is still very speculative in terms of technology, um, I think that I think that's one of the areas you know within within tech that's I think going to be particularly hard hit. And I think we're going to see that you know over the rest of this year, we're going to see some see some um, see some big names uh, making some major changes. And, and do you see that? Do you see that uh, affecting in terms of the, the this gradual rollout of autonomous vehicles? Do you see that? The, that same thing that that shakeout affecting how the, the speed with which is actually on the road. Well, I think it's a, it's a little bit more a reflection of the fact that the technology, <clears throat> the technology is still waiting to be you know perfected. You know, the, the autonomous technology today is capable of driving you know ninety nine percent as safe uh, as humans in in you know a very wide range of situations. Um, it, it's come it's come a, a very long way. Um, however, uh, you know, in the opinion of most observers, uh, not all, I know, uh, <laughs> some folks say, no, 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 it's ready. It's ready right now. Um, uh, but, um, it's not really ready to be unleashed on say, you know, suburban neighborhood environments. Um, and, you know, trucks go all over the place. Um, and so that's, that, that's a big challenge that the technology isn't ready. Uh, there are also policy hurdles. Um, the government hasn't green, green lit yet a delivery truck to be totally autonomous to not have a human in there, which, you know, challenges the economics of it and challenges the, you know, the, um, <clears throat> the tangibility of the technology. <clears throat> now we're talking about fully autonomous vehicles here. Uh, that's the challenge there. Incrementally, uh, in incremental autonomous systems, uh, automated driver assist systems, ADAS, those types of systems that do things like lane keeper assist, advanced cruise control, um, forward collision warning, the automatic emergency braking systems. Um, uh, that stuff is is very real and very important and is probably saving lives right now on the road. Um, but the fully autonomous, so, uh, what folks call level four and level five systems, um, it's not here yet in a way that folks can trust. And again, there are those policy hurdles. Um, policy maybe the Biden administration is taking a very close look at these uh, technologies. Um, and it's pretty clearly signaled that they're not ready to uh, say, oh, yeah, Wild West, go drive. Um, that is that is very much not their approach. Um, and I think, you, you know, um, the um, uh, organized labor also has a, a substantial amount to say about this, too. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, in terms of regulations, they're, they're very slowly kind of they just um, recently wrote uh, FMCSA came out with a uh, a, su a supplement to an advanced proposed rulemaking on level four and level five, and the uh, a few a, a few regulatory changes they would have to make potentially make make there. But but again, it's just a supplemental, so they're going very as you as you mentioned, it's very been very slow. Um, and so I, I, on, on the third point I wanted to touch on was um, you know this automation obviously it infiltr infiltrates every industry and you know every sector of transportation. And in fact, it's it's um, if it's not the major uh sticking point it's a, it, it, in the in negotiations at least one of them um with, with, with what's going on with the u.s west coast dock workers and the and the um container terminal operators um 
And I, I know and that's another issue that you've been following, Lauren. So, you know, the two sides have been very closed doors about this. So I realize you might not have any privy to any particular inside information. But two questions on that. Um, first, is there is there an opportunity for the Biden administration um, or Congress to influence those negotiations somehow, as we saw with the with, with the railroads late last year? And um, and second, and, and maybe more importantly, what is your expectation? expectations in terms of how global supply chains could be affected the longer the two sides go without a contract? Um, well, uh, I, I would definitely say, you know, my concern level is rising a little bit. Um, <clears throat> you know, you mentioned the closed door. Uh, I think a big part of the uh, encouragement um, that that's we, we've been able to take in the situation is that they were definitely they've definitely been negotiating in the same room number one so they're actually they actually are at the table and two there's been relatively little leaks uh and not just leaks but also not a lot of stabbing each other in the press there's been a little bit of stabbing each other in the press but not a lot of you know like like ah uh, they're totally evil and they're they want to destroy us and they're terrible and we must get them first um you know which which you, you've seen in a lot of these types of negotiations um so uh, yeah, I, that's that's been very encouraging. Going back to last year in June, uh, when they said, "Look, uh, our contract's going to expire on June thirtieth, twenty twenty two, but it's okay because we're still negotiating," and that's great. And so as like, okay, yeah, that looked good. Um, the problem is now um, we are uh, seven months past, more than seven months past that time. Um, I had thought at the time, like, well, there's. Uh, you know, we had the midterm elections coming up uh, last November. And so that was definitely encouraging because you thought that both uh, management and the union would not want to blow up the world <clears throat> while members of Congress were running for reelection and potentially able to uh, take, you know, swift action and or to be forced to take swift action. Um, and so that that was encouraging. Uh, my concern now is that there's not an obvious backstop. There's not an obvious leverage point to say, okay, guys, wrap it up, wrap it up. You know, we've, you've gone past the end of the contract itself. You've gone past the midterm elections to the extent that that was a, that was a stopping point as well. Um, you've gone past, uh, the, you know, uh, Christmas holiday shopping, shipping season, uh, at the end of last year. Um, so what's the, What's really the next leverage point? And there, there are a few things coming up. I mean, you have um, cyclical uh, turning of the of, of seasonal seasonal shipping, um, but <clears throat> you know, none of the none of the speed bumps last year uh, did the job. So um, my concern is that without an obvious deadline, um, you it creates an an, uh, an uncertain situation where any sort of any sort of uh, external shock. Anything that happens, and, uh, and I mentioned there's there's probably going to be an energy price spike uh, due to um, the, uh, the the Chinese emergence from COVID zero, and not just um, you know emerging the, the fact that they're emerging, uh, not just the, not just that inflationary pressure, but also the fact that if uh, that manufacturing is starting to pick up, which means we could eventually see you know a surge in shipping across the ocean, so you could see a, a surge in traffic potentially. Um, and now, um, you, you know, obviously consumer patterns in the U.S., you know, depending on where the U.S. economy is, may change that a little bit. But uh, the point is that any sort of external shock that we see 
anything that affects the port uh, could create a situation that crystallizes with with the, the labor negotiations. Um, and again, it's been common uh, over the past you know 20, 25 years. It's been more common than not to see some sort of work slowdown, stoppage, some sort of tension uh, that has held up shipping for you know maybe only a couple days. Um, but um, even say a three day stoppage would take weeks to unwind. Uh, and, and, you know, cost the companies a significant amount of money. So, I'm, yeah, I, I think there's, there's reason for concern there. Again, you know, I, I think, um, not, uh, not overwhelming, but I think there is concern that there will eventually be, uh, a choke point. Um, and you, you, you mentioned, uh, John, you know, could, could, uh, the government get involved, the Biden administration potentially? Uh, I'm sure they have lines of communication, uh, into the two parties and are, and are nudging them to, uh, get to a resolution. Fortunately, uh, this situation, you know, while very serious and potentially very damaging to the national economy, is not still not quite at the level of the rail strike situation from last year. The railroad shut down, the country shuts down. Uh, that's you're talking about upwards of thirty percent of of all U.S. freight uh, not able to move, uh, and that would have been, you know, <laughs> that 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 would have been a, you know nearly catastrophic. Um, the ports would be, um, you know, uh, a major headache, but, you know, the, 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 the upside disaster potential is a little bit lower if that's, if that's any sort of consolation. Um, but, you know, in, in general, I'm, I'm still, uh, mostly optimistic, uh, that they will get to a resolution, that they'll get to a resolution sometime this year. Um, but as I say, you know, the, the level of concern is, is maybe it's a little bit higher than it was three or four months ago. Right. Um, and, and as we saw over the last two years with, you know, shippers, when, when things got backed up on the West Coast ports, we saw, we saw shippers kind of shift their supply chains over to the East Coast. I guess, uh, obviously that, that's sort of a, they, they've been monitoring this just like everyone else for the last two years as well. So I guess it, it, it remains to be seen if, you know, even, even more, uh, even, even more shifts to the East Coast and how, and, and, and for how long, how, how, um, how long it actually, um, is sustained there. Or whether it goes back, I guess. That's right. That's right. And yeah. and you know when you when companies shift their supply chains, you know when you do something like that, shift to the East Coast, Gulf Coast. <clears throat> um, those new relationships can be sticky. Um, so some of that may flow back to the West Coast, and um, some of it probably won't. Um, and that's you know it, it, it can't, can't be any more precise than that. But just just there, right. there can be a stickiness when you alter your alter your uh, traditional patterns. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, it should be interesting to see how that develops and, and, uh, and, you know, how your inflation analysis plays out, plays out as well. Well, Lauren, uh, thank you uh, very much again for, for joining us today. Thanks very much, John. And thanks everyone for tuning in.